Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Start the recording. <laughs> the title of tonight's message is Adopted, Not Co-opted, The Right End of the Funnel. And we're not talking about the crank, Pastor Nick. We stay away from cranking Texas. I was a dare kid growing up. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so we're excited to share with you this evening. However, we have a we have a secret we got to confess. Okay, we're gonna start our we're gonna start off our message by letting it all be known. A little bit of transparency. We'll let it all hang out. <laughs> so it's not obvious looking at the three of us, maybe, but we are related. <laughs> Did you know that? Growing up, my, bro- my, my brother used to, used to tell me that I was adopted, yeah. right, to mess with me. They didn't know how true it was. They was right. Church, we all have the same father. We live in the same house. We eat at the same food. And I know what you all think. We don't mean that we are brothers in Christ. And we are. We are. But what we're talking about is being adopted to the house of Israel. Say amen if you've been adopted. Y'all my brothers. Having said that, let's get our our disclaimer out of the way. I told the the pastors to brace for what was getting ready to come. So, disclaimer. (laughs) This sermon will not be a detailed list with minute-by-minute instructions. Like you bought a a package from Amazon. We're not going to give you minute-by-minute instructions on how you stand with or minister to Jews. We believe if you engage with us tonight, and if you dig into the word of God like we've engaged, like it's engaged with us, your God will show you. And, and as a matter of fact, he's given us a clear pathway how. It will, however, show the ancient path. It will show the family story that our crucified Messiah walked on and the one that he's calling us to join him on. Amen? We're saying it now from the very beginning. The end of our sermon will only be the beginning of a lifelong process we get to embark on together. Amen. Right? So we're not rushing to the end. Right? The end is where it starts. When we finish tonight, you will be released to go and do what has been preached. And we will too. As a matter of fact, we've been doing it. <laughs> All right. To be certain, where we're going to start tonight is where the gospel starts. And we're learning how to, how to uh, teach that in our homes. Where the gospel actually starts. And praise God for 1 Corinthians 15. But it's not just 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to go where the gospel starts tonight. We see where God began his steps. And that's where we're starting. As you go with us tonight, we need you to see this story in a specific lens. You need to catch this with us. The, The lens that you must see it in is the same lens that Moses saw it in. It's the same lens that David saw it in. And it's the same lens that Jesus and the, under, and the apostles understood it as. That is that the gospel is a family story. Yeah. Say family story. Family, family story. story. It's a family story starting from generous. Gen, it's a generous family story. <laughs> starting in Genesis. That's what you meant. Ending in Malachi and the Tanakh. We know that all of us have begun to, to read our Bibles from the beginning. Have you started to read Genesis in a new way this week? As a result of what's been preached? Amen. You are an, an obedient bunch. Let's start in Genesis 18. We're going to go to Genesis 18. We're starting verse 17. There. Say there when y'all are there. there. Now let's say adopted, not co-opted. Adopted, not co-opted. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he promised him. The promise for Israel... Specifically, the promise for Abraham was that he would be a blessing to all nations. And he is and was, but we will get back to that in a little bit. The whole Bible, every bit of it from beginning to end, is the story about Abraham's family and a few Gentile side characters, whether they interacted with his family poorly or well. 
But every main character, every supporting character, the entire point, this is a family book. This is a family story. This isn't uh, some lexicon somewhere that was drawn from an ancient library. This was written by members of the family about their family life, about their family story. Starting off with a little bit of personal testimony in my life, that was one of the first things that affected me. First things that the Lord ever revealed to me from his scripture was that Abraham was a man just like me. And he was a man just like my father. It made me think about what would happen if you wrote a book about Eric Stevens for 2,000 years of his family history. We would want to edit some chapters. More than a few. And more than that, we wouldn't live it out. But this is the intimacy with which the word is written and the intimacy with which Israel has with the word. This is their family story. Having said that, we want to get into Luke 16. Absolutely. Now, for our ex students in the room uh, who, who are going back to the foundational teachings, this is going to be a remiss. Uh, and you can, a good student can go and study and, and prove out what I'm telling you. But as we get into Luke 16, uh, starting in verse 19, I need you to go with this. Uh, this cut us like a knife, and it needs to. Now, we know that, yes, this is about Abraham. This is about Abraham, right? We know that, that it, it, is, it starts with Israel. But as Gentiles, Gentile of Gentiles, yeah. have a funny habit of co-opting Always finding a way to appropriate God's promises to them. This is the only cultural appropriation that matters. That's the <laughs> only one that matters. So as we get into to Luke 16, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a push shot. Push, it's not a push shot one-to-one -one comparison. But it is something that you need to engage with in light of what you have received. Have you been blessed by the God of Abraham? Yes. yes. Have you been blessed by the people of the book? Yes. By the Jews? Okay. This is Luke 16, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Let's go. And at his gate was laid a poor man, a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child. Remember that in your lifetime, you receive good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. Church, this is our honest engagement. What we've been engaged, what we've been receiving on Sundays. Yeah. To be clear, Israel is not Lazarus. That, that's plain. That's Peshat. But I know as a Gentile, I have been made rich. By the people of God. Yeah. I have been blessed by the book that they died to bring me. As a matter of fact, it's why I stand here. It's why I have a family. Yeah. It has given me life. Yeah. That is without question. Yeah. Nobody in here is poor. If you hear me right now, you are not poor. Yeah. You have salvation that has come through the Jews. Come on. Yeah. You have a fixed value that has been given to you from your God. You know who you are. You are sons of the living God. But that didn't start with you and it wasn't for you. It was for them. And we've been blessed by it. We have been like the rich man. But what have the Jews received? From the very beginning, the genesis of their story is conflict. The genesis of their story is persecution. Ancient enemies and the nations all around them. They stood on the word of God because he spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I will bless you. I will make you great. And you're going to teach your sons and your sons are going to teach their sons and they're going to be a blessing to the nations. And that, that has happened. Yeah. 
but they have received curses for it. They have been spit at. They have had uh, bombs lobbed at them. They've had their, their women raped. They've had their children kidnapped. Why? That's a question that's it, it's prevalent in our media right now. Why the Jews? You know? And people want to go back to a partition plan in 1948. It has nothing to do with 1948. It has nothing to do with that. The only reason that they are persecuted the way they are is because they are the people of the book. They represent God and his righteous standard. And because of that, even though salvation has come through them, they are hated for it. So again, you and I, we're the rich man in the story. We've been blessed. We've been benefited. We've been fed. We've been watered. We've been clothed. What have they received? For bringing that to you. Israel has only received persecution and suffering. Because they have the unique advantage, privilege, the weighty responsibility of bearing on themselves how the rest of the world feels about God. That's true. Everything that is done to Israel, everything they experience is the rest of the world taking out on the man that they can see what they feel about the God they can't. Yeah. They have been honored and privileged to bear his name, but that has come with a massive cost. What we want more than anything for this to cut in you like it did in us, we have benefited. We have received all of the blessings of being next to Israel, but none of the difficulty, none of the curses, none of the pain, none of the genocides that they have. What is it that we must do? How do we respond? This is supposed to create a feeling inside of us that that is not fair. That injustice is supposed to rise up in you and you are supposed to, like your God intended as a Gentile, want to support Israel, support them into accomplishing their goal. Talking about what Israel's received in the nations, though, we're going to go to Psalm 2. Let's go to Psalm chapter 2, 1 through 3. We're going to read this in the NET. It says, why do the nations rebel? Why are the countries devising plots that will fail? The kings of the earth form a united front. The rulers collaborate against the Lord and his anointed king. Listen to this. They say, let's tear off the shackles they've put on us. Let's free ourselves from their ropes. Guys, it has been a longstanding tradition of Gentiles to separate themselves from Israel try to replace them, and even try to destroy them. This has been the history of Israel ever since their existence and will be the attitudes of the nations until Messiah returns. Verse 3 was the verse that impacted me the most. It says, let us tear off the shackles they've put on us. Let's free ourselves from their ropes. Guys, the nations are devising war plans to destroy the people of the book. And will continue until the Messiah's return. It's just the facts. It's what history has shown. The nations hate God, the God that chose Israel as well as his people. Israel is being labeled as oppressors to the nations in this passage. Israel is. This verse shows us the heart behind the nations that do not recognize God or his people. Yet, Despite the opposition from, in, from the enemies of Israel, Israel has blessed the world. So I'll say it again. Despite the opposition from enemies, Israel blesses the world. And they're continuing to do it even today. And they bring life to all the nations around them. Let's turn to Isaiah 26, 16 through 18. Say adopted, not co-opted when you get there. We're beginning to get our eyes set through the right end of this funnel. Isaiah 26, 16 through 18. Lord, they came to you in their distress. When you disciplined them, they could barely whisper a prayer. As a woman with child and about to give birth, rise and cries out in her pain. So were we in your presence, O Lord. We were with child, we writhed in pain, but we gave birth to the wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. 
we have not given birth to the people of the world. Church, let's interact with this as a family story for a minute. If your, your people had suffered genocide, persecution, murder, rape, and torture for thousands of years to accomplish one goal, salvation to the nations. And in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of generations of suffering, you look and all you can see is that we produce nothing. It was all for nothing. This is the depth of despair that this Israel is standing in right now. They have blessed the world, and we're going to talk about that. But the necessity of this revelation of how they bless the world is the answer to this cry. Let's remember that this is a family story. And consequently, because it's a family story, the Lord has always blessed the holy union between a man and a woman to produce what? Godly offspring. Let's talk about the Jew of all Jews. Let's talk about the most Jewish man who has ever lived. Let's take a look at the one who is currently fulfilling the promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis 18. Of course, we are talking about Jesus. Israel did not give birth to the wind. They gave birth to Jesus. They gave birth to Messiah. And that is how he has blessed the entire world. Have you been blessed by Abraham? Yes. The fact that you can call on the name of the son of Abraham and find salvation is the very blessing you have received. Let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. See, Jesus is the physical manifestation of Hashem. And he began his ministry by being with the Israelites. What do we say in our Talmudim? How does he start off his ministry? He calls disciples to himself that they might be with him. He starts off by being with the Israelites in their time of distress. It didn't start with a lecture. It started with them physically standing next to them in their distress. They're in the middle of actual occupation right here. We must find ourselves standing among the people of God in their distress. The, the, the tie that we're making, and just so it's clear, the, the, the switch that we're making here is how did Jesus reveal salvation to his nation? He started by being with him. He started by living amongst them, walking with them, right? So how do we do the very same thing? I know there's been a question on, on everybody's mind. How do we do this? How do we stand with Israel? How do we walk with Israel? How do we convert the Muslims that are going to carry them back? It starts by being there. Yeah. It starts by standing with them in the midst of their circumstances. We must be there. We must avoid the arguments and stand with the people. Come on. That's what's going to matter. Yeah. No keyboard warrior. Nobody who, who stays safe behind a, a Reddit board or Facebook or whatever you kids use these days for social media. We step out from behind our life and we go to where God has called us and that's to be amongst the people. We must first stand with our brother Israel, but there's a second part of this. Let's go to verse 25. Amen. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So after Jesus being with them, then he taught them. So Jesus was with Israel and then he taught them. Guys, Jesus is the lamb in Genesis 22. 
He's the suffering king in Psalm 22. And he's also the root of Jesse in Isaiah 11. He is the hope and the goal of Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham in Genesis 18, 18. He is the perfect Jew. So we must stand with them and teach them through the Tanakh. I want you all to catch what we're saying here. Stand with them in their distress. You want to know how to get the attention of Israel? Well, everyone else is trying to kill them. So standing next to them will make you quite a strange sight to them. Then perhaps then you might be able to teach them why. We're starting with our positioning of standing next to them in distress then to gain the opportunity to teach them why we're standing there. Come on. This was always about you. Yeah. You were always the goal, and I got to be part of this through your Messiah. Come on. Let's go down to verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Jesus was there in the form of a man with the disciples and he taught them. And even though they didn't fully understand, When they sat down to break the bread, when they sat down to have the meal together and the scriptures were read, their hearts were burning. A bit like our hearts should be burning now. (laughs) They are intertwined with this family story. It is inextricable from them. And even though they might not quite understand to this day when the scripture is read, their hearts still burn. I know what you all have been asking. How do we do it? How do we respond to what the Lord has been saying? How do we stand with the Jews? This is the answer. Start from the right end of the funnel. Start with understanding the family story. Start with understanding the scripture in the first place. Start with understanding your role as an adopted son to Israel. Start with understanding your adoption to the God of Israel. Make it, this will make it abundantly clear how we must stand and where you must stand. Yeah. The truth is, is most of us aren't sure what to do because we don't understand the beginning in the first place. Yeah. We don't know what to do because we've been looking through the wrong end of the funnel and it doesn't quite make sense to us. So before we go out there and we stand with them and we teach them, we got to learn ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We have to start on the right end of this ourselves to be able to be effective. Once we get to the right end of the funnel, though, then the Lord will make abundantly clear where to stand, when to stand, how to stand, and who to stand with. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up. One of the major takeaways that I got from this Sunday was Treester speaking about, and Judah as well, speaking about and challenging us. Can you teach your family the man, the land, and the plan? I knew in that moment that I haven't even given it the importance that is needed. In other words, What's important to God wasn't even on my radar. Guys, I'm a son of this house. I've been here for 12 years. And I know that if I've been here 12 years and I've heard this preached time and time again, our pastors have done it for three decades. Gabe's grown up in it. Justin's walking this thing out as well. But I knew that I've been here for 12 years. And if I didn't see how how this applies to my life and why this is important, I know that there's some men and women in here is the same way. I know it. It challenged me. We went home and we started out in Genesis 18. What'd you do, Spence? We went home and we taught it to our children, taught it to our wives. 
we, we, we went back and we discussed Genesis 18 and how amazing it is that God chose a man, plucked a man up and said, here, I would choose you. Think about how amazing that is. Do you think Abraham even understood what God was doing in that moment? That the God of all creation said, hey, salvation will come through you. I've heard this a thousand times over and over again. But because I knew that this was for them and I didn't see where my place was in this, this was not that important to me. Just an honest assessment of it. See, Israel, they've held the conviction since the law was given through persecution, through discipline that comes through their sonship. They've remained true to their national destiny. So whether in 50 years or 216 years, I had to ask myself this question. Will my offspring do the same thing? Through the persecution, through the trials, will my children, will I send my own children to the most difficult part of the world to see the salvation of Israel? And you know what I came to an honest assessment of? Was that I never actually even considered it. So I knew that there wasn't a conviction in my entire household because this wasn't important to me. It cut me that this is the plan of God and it's not even important, but it's everything to God. Yeah. And I want it to be everything in me. Yeah. And you know, the answer to that question, will he send his children? Will he launch them into the Middle East? The answer is, the answer is absolutely yes. yes. And you know why? Because their father has received the word's instruction. Regardless of what veil was over before, he's received the instruction this week and he's begun to implement it. Amen. And that's all that we're really talking about is having a heart for the, the people of God, having a heart for the land that God prophesied over and having a heart for the plan of God and saying, you know what? No, that is what we are about too. Yeah. It's not just a, some facet of our, it's not just one of those things that we need to know as good Christians. No, it is the foundation that we stand upon. What we're trying to do here, guys, is, is transmit the impact that this revelation is having on us because from that impact, we get this revelation, it will drive you to understand the Tanakh from the right end of the funnel. You will know that, hey, this is Abraham's children. This is Abraham's promise, and it's a blessing that I've been joined to it but I haven't appropriated it. I haven't uh, apprehended his promises. This is what we're getting at. This is, this is what must be a conviction every man, every woman, and in every home in this church. We, we cannot be the rich man who receives our good things in this life and will not stand with them Amen. as they suffer persecution. Will not stand with them and live in accord to the word. You know the only reason that they're persecuted? Because they stand on what God said. They said, you are the Lord my God. And I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. I will not be like the nations around me. I will follow your law. And because light does not mix with darkness, and darkness hates the light, darkness is trying to cover them. Trying to smother them. That is what's happening. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, will they do it alone? Or will the Gentile graftings come and, and stand upon the promises that God has given to them. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. From their perspective, they were given a call in, in Isaiah 26 to birth salvation, to give birth to the nations of the world. And from their perspective, all they can see is curses, wow. is spitting, is vitriol. This is where we enter into the story. Come on. We are adopted sons. Who have come into the family, not taking the family name for ourselves and making ourselves prominent, but seeing what God has promised to the son and says, I will die for what our father has said about you. Amen. That is what we're called to. And I literally mean die. So a practical application. Just, just brass tacks. Can you teach the gospel to your family? Can you share with others starting in Genesis? Right? Can you do that? That's a good question. It must be done. It will be done. Turn with us to Hebrews 12. Starting in verse 3. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Our Messiah literally has. We haven't, but the Messiah literally has resisted to the point of shedding his blood. And in a sense, so have our Jewish brothers. But their promise has not reached its fulfillment. You understand that? It's not reached its fulfillment. We must do the same. In the same way that they have resisted to the point of shedding their blood, we must do the same. Very practically in, our, in, in your own life, you have not resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. So you still got some fight in you. Yeah. You still got some overcoming to do. Amen. And then you realize it's not just about you. Colossians 1.24 says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. In the same way that them standing upon Deuteronomy 6, saying we will live according to this word, has brought salvation to you and I, you and I stand upon Deuteronomy 6 saying, I will live according to this word and we will die to bring salvation to the nations of the world. That will bring it back to Jerusalem. That is our call. That is our job. We will not sit idly by while they take their beatings. Go with us to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. You guys love Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy. Through his own blood, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. We want to be like Jesus? Well, we've still got a little bit of blood to give. We haven't given it all yet. We haven't strained to it all yet. In fact, I'd say we're just getting started in being like the Jewish Messiah for the Jewish people. You want to walk in the way of Jesus, do you? Then give your blood for his people. You want to walk in the way of Jesus, suffer outside the city and choose to bear the disgrace of his name. Nobody made them do it. They chose to bear his disgrace and follow in his way. We make that decision to stand with him. To stand with his people even when they are rejected, derided, and cursed at. This is how we stand with them. We choose to take that disgrace. In order to do this, we have to be there. And then we will get to teach them. We must familiarize ourselves with the family story and burn inwardly with responsibility for them. Hear what the Spirit has been saying to the churches. This is a prophecy from October 29th that Pastor Judah was referring to this past Sunday. Listen to the clarity of the direction we have received and also think about how the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has been preparing us since the beginning of LCM and the One Association. The voice of the groom says to you, the bride, arise, my love, for it is time that you walk in my footsteps. You shall not love your life so much as to shrink from death. And I warn you now, your power shall be broken, but my power shall not be broken. You will triumph by the trust in me that you show. For the faith that you possess is the victory over the world. It is time to shine, my love. We are walking in the way of Jesus. And we have learned what it means to stand up and start taking our trust-filled steps. We've got to get to the right end of the funnel. And we must choose to bear the disgrace of his name and his people on us. This is actually our victory over the world. This is what makes us beautiful in God's sight. He is speaking to us as one speaks to his beloved bride. And it is about bearing the shame and the disgrace and the suffering that I did. This is what makes us beautiful in his sight. And he is telling us that he has trained us, that he has prepared us, and that we are capable and are now doing it and need to be doing it. Pastor Judah asked us a question on Sunday. Before we get to that, we family. It's a family meeting. 
wouldn't you say it's, it's beautiful that regardless of where, where we started our Christian walk, uh, I, I, I bust in the doors like you could smell the smoke on me. Hill was so close, right? And I was amazed that God wanted to save me. To be honest, I didn't really believe it. And I, it, it, it took some coaxing to really believe that God wanted to save me. And as beautiful as that, as that is, I consider it a more beautiful thing that God was able to do that. But now he's opening my eyes to the fuller picture. Yeah. Come on. He, he's opening my eyes and he's opening your eyes Amen. to what this is actually about. Yeah. He's setting us on the foundation of truth. No, this is what it's been from the very beginning. This is what I've always desired. And it is a beautiful story. It is a family story that though I come into, I'm, I'm was kind of looking out from the window, looking from the outside in. And he's joined us to it. He's brought us into that family so that we can participate in the redemption of his sons. That's a promise worth dying for. Yeah. So Gabe was saying, uh, Pastor Judah gave us two imperative directives on Sunday. The first was to go back and contemplate and, 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 and find this prophecy. Thank you, Hewitt, for your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. The second was to sit and pray, and we're not done with this, and ask yourself, what will you have to say at the family feast? I mean, the feast of Abraham. What will you have to talk about in the presence of Abraham and his sons? Innumerable. Can't even be counted. What will we have to say? The sons we, that have been beheaded, the sons whose children have been murdered, the ones that have been thrown out of every country that they've ever stayed in and had their own rip from them, and as we speak right now, are being murdered for just wanting to live in the place that God told them yeah. to. And just wanting to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. What we have to say. So we contemplated this. And we, we, we wrote down what God genuinely spoke to us. This is what we'll say. This is what I'll say. Father Abraham, I spent much of my life in disobedience until your, your descendants brought the light of Torah to me and your promises to me. They bled for the book that revealed salvation to me. And even after that transformation, it was still my habit to take your promise, promises and make them primarily about me. But once I got a revelation of the Israel-dependent gospel, I taught my children. And I taught my brothers. And launched them into their calling. They landed in the Middle East and taught Muslims about the covenant-keeping God of Israel. Those Muslims fell in love with you and your God. And they fell in love with the Jews, your people. And they carried them Back to Jerusalem yeah. in the midst of intense yeah. persecution. That's what I plan to tell Father Abraham. My father, right? I was a dead dog on your doorstep, but you let me in. And I'll fight for your house like a dog for the rest of my life. We are adopted, not co-opted. And we're so happy to be in the house. That an attack on the house is the most visceral thing. That we, this should be the thing that causes a day of rage. <laughs> Christians should not be able to sit here and watch this happen and justify and debate. Right. You don't have him without them. This is your family. Yeah. Yeah. They're walking into your house and they're dragging your brothers out and killing them in the street. Wow. Abraham, I made quite a practice of taking your people's promises, but once I learned. This is where we stand, church. This is our once I learned moment. Yeah. It will change from here and never be the same again, and it won't be accepted in this house ever again to steal promises from Israel. It won't be accepted to replace them in this house ever again. We will stand with them and we will die with them. We are adopted. We did not co-opt them. Yeah. And beautiful thing about this and about how God has set this up is that we don't need to change the plan because of what we now see. God prepared us in advance to answer what we now see. 
So going back to the practical steps, how do we stand with them? Knowing that we will not appropriate them, their, their promises. Knowing that we won't be like Lazarus, like the rich man who allowed Lazarus to see all of his curses in this life while he received all the good things. Knowing that that won't happen, how do we do that? You do what you've been taught. Because you know what the end goal of what you accomplishing, God's will in your life, God brought you here to be trained up, to be prepared for your works of service. Where are those works of service pointed to? It's right there on the map. So how you do this, how you stand with them, is that you dig in like never before. Yeah. You understand the family promises. You get into your word from Genesis to Revelation, and you understand what God wants, and you start to walk in what God wants. You learn that to stand with a people, you must first be with them in the midst of their suffering, and then you teach them what the word of God says. And because that word of God changed you, it transformed you, it will burn on their hearts the same way that it burned on yours. On. That is what you do. That is why you've been put here. No family has been put here just to survive as Christians. You've been put here to knock down the gates of hell. Amen. You've been put here to bring the gospel back to where it came from. And it's going to go through your children. It's going to go through your descendants. And it's going to happen because you stood up on a day and say, Father Abraham, hey, I didn't get here first, but I got here as soon as I could. And I learned as soon as I could what it meant to be an adopted son. And this fight for your, your children's promises. Guys, let's turn to Hebrews 11, 39, and 40. Guys, it is time to implement what has been taught here for decades. It's time for every family, every man, every husband in this household to teach all of these ancient teachings to where you not only know it, but your wife knows it. And your wife knows, doesn't only know it, but your children can teach it. And not just teach it, but it causes them to move. It causes your whole direction to change. The whole point of this is that your whole life will be poured out for their sake. That's the whole point of this. And if there's parts that are in you that you can't see it, you don't see where you fit into this, it starts with the implementation in your own family. This is where it begins. Hebrews 11, 39 through 40 says this. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Guys, we've read this. We've read this verse time and time again, thinking that this verse was about us. And it's not about us. Come it's on. about them. Yeah. What's the title of the book? But when you read us, you thought us. Yeah. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. We learn it. It's intrinsic in us to do this with every one of Israel's promises. Yeah. Literally can title it Hebrews, and we still read it as us. Yeah. Guys, the promise of the man, the land, and the plan is required for the descendants living in the land. We need them in the land to produce Messiah. We are just the adopted sons. We're not co-opted sons. We do not replace Israel, and we definitely do not go to war with them. We don't deliberate. We stand with them. But we do get to be a part of helping the promises to them be fulfilled, and that's beautiful. Yeah, did y'all catch the importance of that particular part? If they don't occupy the land, we don't get Jesus. We don't have the Nazarene. We don't have the star rising out of Jacob. We don't have it if they are not faithful to the land and the plan. This is why Jesus is such an amazing culmination of the promise to Abraham. There was a covenant with the man, the land, and the plan. And Jesus was produced because they kept it. <laughs> but the Lord needs all of Israel. And he needs all all of the generations that he has planned. And the us is them. We're still not even in this story. <laughs> the us is them. He needs all that he has desired. He needs all that he has destined. And we're watching it happen before our very eyes. Israel is still there. After 2,000 years of being gone in 1948, the nation was born in a day. And the Lord will be able to sustain his promise through more troubles, more tribulations, and more distress because his word to Abraham will not fail. And Jesus is 
the testament of the faithfulness of God to Abraham. We're going to go to Genesis 18 as we close. But before we do that, I'm going to read a family promise that we all get to participate in. This is Isaiah 26, 15, right before we picked up. You have enlarged the nation, O Lord. You have enlarged the nation. You have gained glory for yourself. You have extended all the borders of the land. Oh, the day. We get to participate in that promise. Where we're not going to be talking about which borders, the, the 1948 borders, the 67 borders. No. God is going to extend the borders of the land. And it's going to stretch far. And it's going to stretch wide. And you know who's going to be there? Your children. Your descendants. We're going to stand with them as they receive the promises that God made for them. And if that doesn't get us out of our seat, the fact that their sacrifice brought us life. And now we get to sacrifice to bring that life back to them. I don't know what will. But I know you. That's what you live for. That's your beating heart. That's what you get to do. And so as a, as a brother in this house, I'm calling on my brothers and my sisters. Rise in your confidence. Rise in, in the special nature of what you sit in. You are not a pauper. You have been blessed. You have been favored. You have been given life to no end. And now God is saying, hey, it's not enough that you would just receive it. I'm also going to use you to give it. Turn with us to Genesis 18, starting in verse 17 as we get ready to close. Stand up with us. No, y'all can sit down. We have just one more verse before we do the standing up. <laughs> sit on down. I promise it's for a point. So Genesis 18, starting in verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations on the earth shall be blessed in him. Church, closing our circle here. What do we now know about this verse that we didn't know when we started? Well, Jesus was the beginning of the fulfillment of this promise. There's more of it to come, but he is a focal point. You've learned that you've been blessed by Abraham's family. Haven't you been blessed by Abraham's family through their yes. Messiah? You've learned that Jesus, this prophesied son, taught from all of the law, the prophets, and all of the scriptures concerning himself. And this was his testimony to his own people. You've learned that we have to get acquainted with the family story, the family promises, and the family book to understand our role in the family and to understand where the family is going and to fulfill the goal of the family. We have to start from the right end of the book. We have to start from the right end of the funnel. Now, Spencer's got some challenges for us here. All right, family. So if through this sermon, you've realized that you've been looking at the world and the scripture through the wrong end of the funnel, we want you to stand up. And if you realized you don't understand the family story, in other words, you can't articulate the Jesus, that Jesus, the man, the land, and the plan from the whole council of the word of God Starting from the beginning, stand to your feet. And saints, if you recognize that you don't understand your proper role in the family of the house of Israel and need to familiarize yourself with the promises, the regulations, and the teachings of the house of Israel, please stand up. Okay, now everyone stand up. Please stand up. So husbands, 
brothers, single men, single women, get real close to your families. Grab your families right now. As we get ready to worship, you're going to begin to pray to the God of Israel. And you're going to have this in mind, the blessings that have come to you. How he's benefited you in every way. How you've been given life. And now, contemplate as a result of that, what will you say to Father Abraham? What will you have to say based on what you've received? As you're praying, as you're contemplating that, commit yourself to living a life that will make that conversation a reality. Because you can do it. As a matter of fact, you are doing it. But we're going deeper. That conviction is, is uh, going past the rubble and past the sand, and it's going down to the bedrock of who we are. So ask yourself, and I'm going to do the same. What am I going to say to Abraham about how I stood with this family? What am I going to say to him about how we stood on the promises of God and saw those things happen in his children's life? From here, you're going to go, and if you couldn't teach the gospel from Genesis to Revelation, that is your homework. Go speak to your family. Learn how to start from the right end of the funnel and communicate it in a way that it is the foundation for your children. And it will be, be the foundation for everybody that you speak to from this point forward about what the actual gospel is. Y'all want to do that with us? Yeah. Pray for us, man. Father, we want to tell you right now, Lord, that it is a great honor, Lord, to be able to aid in the salvation of what you are doing in your very plan. Lord, that you sent your son as the beginning of the fulfillment of this promise, Lord, that we've been blessed by Abraham in every way, Lord. Lord, you have made a blessing throughout the world through him, Father. Lord, we ask right now that you enable us, Lord, to start looking from the right end of the book, Father. Lord, that you will enable us, Lord, to get at the right end of the funnel, Father, that we will teach this, implement it in our family, Lord, that we will stand there with your people, Lord, and that we will teach them. God, we want to be men and women that read your word and our hearts are burning because of it, Lord, and it's changing the very way that we live. Lord, we don't want to just intellectualize this. God, we want to walk it out, Lord. Lord, you've spoken this to us for decades, Lord, and we're beginning to get it, Father. Lord, continue to pour out on us, Lord, that we can do this, Lord. We're beginning this in our lives right now. We're beginning to walk this out. Father, you have empowered your saints. You've empowered us to see this, Lord, and it is our joy and our duty, Lord, to stand with the man, the land, and the plan. Father, we love you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name.